Hello and welcome to Media Mouthwash, sponsored by Orangina. My name's Daniel Bentley. I'm Joseph Stashko. And this week, what are we talking about, Joe? Talking about lots of things. Uh, we're talking about a tie-up between Stanford University and Columbia University, about Pinterest, and your guest of the week. Yeah, and also a little bit on Twitter censorship I want to talk about. So, start us off, Joe. Okay, so the first item in this week's show is the news that Columbia and Stanford are creating a 30 million institute to bridge journalism and technology. It's been gifted by a former Cosmopolitan magazine editor, Helen Gurley Brown, in order, honor of her late husband. And it's going to start accepting students in 2014. Quite an interesting collaboration. Everyone talks about the kind of convergence of journalism and technology and coding and stuff like that. But apart from the sort of small department that's in the uh, Columbia Journalism School at the moment, there's been no formal institution that's been built to support it. Um, and I just thought it was quite an interesting thing to start off the week, seeing as we're about... I mean, for a start, that's an insane amount of money, especially compared to, yeah. like, British education and journalism funding. Yeah, I mean, it is one of the things that, you know, America always has is philanthropists who want to plough money into something. So they always have th interesting things like this. And it'll be interesting to see what it creates. Obviously, Stanford's got huge prestige um, in the technology community, and Columbia's got huge prestige in the journalism community. So it's kind of two of the best in the business really coming together to create stuff. Although one of the weird things I read about that yesterday was that Stanford already has a journalism school, and Columbia oh. already has an engineering school. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, why don't you just team up your own departments? But I guess, you know, it's a, a coast-to-coast -coast kind of <laughs> deal, so... You know, it's a while off now at the moment. Um, they're going to start reviewing gr grants this summer, actually. What do you think? If you had the money, would you go? Would it be something you'd be interested in? Interested oh, absolutely. In? I mean, the American journalism programs, you look at the ones like at, um, at NYU, Columbia, yeah. City University of New York, there's the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism, yeah. there's all these, like really like prestigious postgraduate journalism schools there and they all have a ton of money and they all do like really cool interesting things like some really like smart stuff comes out of them the um the guardian at the moment their u.s edition they're teaming up with uh, nyu and their students are like helping them cover the u.s election and stuff yeah yeah I mean, it's, it's it's like they're, they're, they're standard of students at postgraduate level yeah. are, are capable of just yeah, this kind of thing. In. yeah. Um yeah, I mean that kind of thinking would be really welcome in the UK, I think. Like if you could have a kind of networked effort between journalism schools, say to cover the next election, general election here, there's probably a good journalism course in most cities, if I can think of maybe not Manchester. Um but you yeah, you could do it. You could link up all these postgraduates if you wanted to some sort of standard to cover a big event like the election, but you never see it happen. So that's interesting. That's the first news item of the week. Well, you wanted what? to talk about Twitter censorship. I did, because it went around the Twitter sphere last week that Twitter was going to start censoring users' search results and the tweets that they see by country. Uh, they did a blog post about it. So for a start, they're telling you that they're doing it and they're telling you why they're doing it. Why they're doing it is that they have to obey national laws. 
So in Germany, there's very strict laws about uh, Nazi imagery and, and Nazi hate speech and stuff. Uh, Twitter users in Germany will have their their, their search yeah, search results or tweets yeah. filtered, but yeah. they will be told that they're being filtered yeah. and they're being censored. So I'm if there is a censored tweet that shows up in your timeline, Twitter will say this tweet has been censored in accordance with your national yeah. laws. And so I mean, and so people are freaking out, saying, "Oh no, uh, you know." This would have stopped the Arab Spring if Twitter had of, 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 uh, and, and uh, if Twitter had brought this in, and it's against free speech and 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 all this, and people calling for a Twitter boycott and all this kind of stuff, and it's like, actually read what they're saying. They're saying we have to apply by national laws in certain regions, which they do. Otherwise. All that country has to do is flick a switch yeah, and won't get Twitter at all. The, they'll block off DNS access to Twitter and you won't be able to reach it at all. You, you play, play the game, they're telling you which ones are, are being censored, telling you why, and as a result, you don't know you're being censored by your own country. So, yeah. I've, I've been to Turkey on holiday, yeah. and Turkey has this thing with YouTube where Every now and again, they'll just block it because there'll be one video on there made by some like Greek Cypriots, like talking trash about their revolutionary leader Ataturk, and so as a result, Turkey just blocks the whole of YouTube. And so you go onto YouTube, and it says this has been blocked in in, in your country. YouTube is blocked. You you can't do it. And so immediately, what that made me do was try to find a way around being yeah. blocked yeah of course because i'm told i've been blocked i now want to look at why I've, I've been blocked what's been censored and it makes me want to get around it and it's ridiculously easy to get around twitter's censorship you did just you, change what country yeah. in, in your country settings <laughs> did you see um see the quite uh pathetic attempt at a boycott which was um the hashtag twitter blackout I, I i saw it and i just rolled my possibly eyes possibly one or two people in my feed said they were participating in and everything else was just a normal day. I mean, it's good that, that um, web freedom and censorship and stuff are yeah, on discussed. people's agendas and, and is being discussed, especially after the SOPR and Protect IP stuff in yeah, America yeah. And, 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 and all that kind of stuff. But you really need to understand the consequences of it. That if, yeah. if it's completely transparent, like Twitter's version of censorship is, and you're told about it, there's really not that much problem because they have to play by national laws. And I mean, it's been an interesting kind of few weeks for privacy and censorship, really, because you've got, you had the, the bills in America, which were um, hugely contested, and then you've had this, and then you've also had um, Google privacy changes, which also had a fair amount of people up in arms. So moving on to our next item, we're going to talk about Pinterest as a kind of app of the week replacement. It's a web app. It's a web app. Um, it probably will have a mobile app or Chrome extension at some point. Um, just for a brief introduction, if you haven't uh, sort of picked up what this is, Pinterest is a sort of new service um, which puts the concept of curation, one of the best words that's been banded around <laughs> in the last year or so, um, at the heart of kind of what you do on the web, creating content, passing it on, creating a kind of pin board. Um, space on the web. I haven't really had the chance to fully experiment with it. I've played with it a few times um, and whether due to lack of understanding or engagement I haven't managed to 
see what it can do for me that's different from other services I already have. But you're a big fan, so explain to me why, why you like it. I'm a big fan because I have a wedding in this summer that I'm trying to plan, and my wife... I don't, I don't want to get into all the technical details. I'm already married. I'm having another yeah. wedding. Okay. So my wife is planning our wedding. You know, she she looks through blogs and stuff to find like inspiration ideas on how the reception will be decorated and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, and she'll like click, you know, right click on an image, save an image, or go into her downloads folder on her, on her computer, never to be seen again. And she'll sure. like, and it'll be like, oh, where did I find that picture that I really liked and stuff. And if you go on Pinterest and you just type in weddings, there's all these pictures that she loves because yeah. they're they're all like you know they're all like right up her street on sort sure. of vintage inspired whatever, and she can just like pin them to her own board, make her own board like ideas board of what yeah. she wants, and work with that as as her ideas for a, a wedding board. I think that's actually one of the big uses for it. There's so much wedding stuff on there <laughs> that it's going to like replace bridal magazines and like bridal yeah, blogs and that's stuff. Interesting. Um, so I mean I mean again this just kind of highlights my own inexperience with it but for example could I just set it up as something that say there's like a very specific music taste I have that I share with only like two or three friends. I could just set it up as a space to collect stuff about that. Yeah, so, so say you like collect like rare vinyl and stuff, yeah. and you take pictures of rare vinyl. Yeah. So you can take your pictures of it, put it up, and then people are like, oh, that's cool. And then they can sure. pin it if they want to. But I think it works really well just as sort of like, um, as like an inspiration board or design ideas. Yeah. It's very visual. Because it looks like a sort of old-fashioned kind yeah, of design board. Yeah, but it's, like, it's, it's, it's really for like visual inspiration and stuff. So yeah. it's really good if you're decorating. Yeah. And you want like decoration ideas rather than like buying uh, a homes magazine and like folding pages and different stuff or you know bookmarking like decorating blogs. Definitely popular among women, and it actually has people like my wife who's not that techn technically savvy. It has her mum signed up, my mum, my mum's friend have signed up, and they find it really easy to use. They get lots of great stuff out of it, and these are. These are, you know, these are the same sort of people who just want an iPad yeah, as yeah. as their computer. They don't want a computer for anything sure. other than this. And that's not a, a, a derogatory thing. Well, it's interesting it's that you said that because, um, yeah, that's definitely in line with the stats. Um, they released their uh, January traffic report. Um, and Pinterest is driving more referral traffic on the web than Google+, YouTube, Reddit, and LinkedIn combined. That doesn't surprise um, me at and all. And that's, that's because it's got people who are outside the early adopter crowd who are tech-savvy. And this is a service that, inverted commas, normal people actually want oh, to use. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, uh, which, like, again, despite my own kind of misgivings, should be commended on itself because there's too many things that you end up thinking are really, really great and world-changing, but the average person doesn't really care about. Um, and that's always the danger. I think it's a really great website, and I think they're going to make an absolute ton of money from it, and it will be huge. Cool. Um, well, I'll put all those um, Pinterest links up on the Tumblr, um, mediamouthwash.tumblr.com, for you to kind of have a little look through. And should we have a Media Mouthwash Pinterest? We probably should. <laughs> um, kind of endorsed it quite heavily there. So, on to the final item of this week, which is you, Dan talking about your gaff of the week gaff of the week or maybe more accurately would be called 
things that have pissed Daniel off this week. Yeah, commercially Dan Bentley. Other than the technology journalist getting the wrong end of that Twitter censorship thing, these absolute tools at Unilad magazine. That's at unilad.com. I didn't even know about this site. No, I didn't. And I'm, I was happier not knowing about yeah, this site. Yeah, I was actually. Unilad, if you go there now, you'll find a that it's down other than a landing page where they apologize for their gap. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, that, so what they did is they published an article about how to seduce a slut, which is a good yeah. start. Yeah. Um, and at the end, uh, they basically say that 75% of sluts will put out... And at the end it says, and if you happen to find one of the 25%, don't worry, 80% of rape cases go unreported and 10% of those are prosecuted. Yeah, yeah, sure. And quite rightly, there's like outrage over that. And, and it's a casual, it's not an endorsement of rape, but it's just a casual, a, a jokey acceptance yeah. of it. Um, I mean, the thing I found about this was that, I mean, obviously it's, it's like pretty reprehensible. Um, I can't say I was particularly surprised by the article itself because i mean this kind of stuff happens particularly on the web there's all sorts of like insane forums which promote you know ridiculous views and stuff like that i was very surprised by the uh, facebook comments when they gave an apology about this article and um, because i always kind of think that you put yourself out quite publicly on facebook you're clickable there's a photo of you it's your real name yeah and that was more shocking to me the kind of comments that came up then than the actual article itself because one person writing an article that's just that you know it's what that's one person 200 people commenting all with a sort of familiar narrative kind of agreeing with the article um was was way more shocking for me i have people on on my facebook friends who list who i call tools yeah you know complete tools who who do speak like this who do use terms like frape to who yeah to uh talk about when you you know someone's got hold of your twitter your f facebook account and starts posting yeah. stupid stuff i love boys kind of yeah. stuff on yeah. it or you know worse than that but it's a family show <laughs> i just i just think this is an odious thing that this, this exists it's not surprising at all it's yeah it's pretty stupid we're probably not going to link to it on the show page. No, they don't deserve the, don't don't deserve the, the hits. Um, but yeah, no, it is really, really ridiculous. And it comes actually after a long way. Actually, no, we'll, we'll, put, we'll put a blog post on where it gets, okay, gets, linked, yeah. gets, gets scathingly ripped yeah. into. Um, but I mean, it was interesting because actually, like, every week there seems to be a new Twitter outrage. And for the last four or five or so, I've kind of not really agreed with the main gist of it. But for once, this was like legitimate anger and quite rightly sort of cursing something that was ridiculous and misogynistic it's the it's an attitude that i've noticed increasing yeah and, 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 and you well. know loaded and fhm and stuff have existed since you know the 90s and and whatnot but you look back to those like like early loaded's and fhms and and stuff and compare it to nuts and zoo now yeah it's nothing i mean because like lad culture is kind of as a cultural thing has supposedly been and gone but no it, it's it's it, it i think it's just become it's entrenched very, isn't it? yeah very common for people to just refer to these things really casually now um yeah. which is sort of more dangerous than just framing it as like for example like racist jim davidson mm -hmm. you know he can be like you know that's him 
Yeah. But if you kind of take elements of this kind of like really, really horrible views and language and you just casually throw it around, then it becomes normalized and then people just start accepting it because they think it's not as harmful as, you know, like one guy on stage talking about stuff. Exactly. And and it, it's all over the place as well, that sort of attitude. I mean, you look at Sky Sports who sacked uh, Grain Keys over their, yeah. oh, I'd, you know, smash that kind of comments yeah, yeah, yeah. that were off air and stuff. But Sky Sports still shows Soccer AM every Saturday morning, <laughs> which has a girl who comes in front of some lads in football shirts yeah. who are cheering as she takes her uh, football strip off. Yeah. It's not it's not even gaffer week. It's Gaffer's it's been... room 101 consigned to hell yeah, forever. Yeah. Um next week on sociology mouthwash. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning into this week's show. We'll be back next week with all the usual media tidbits. Um I've been Joseph Stashko. I've been the irate Daniel Bentley. And you can check us out on Twitter at Media Mouthwash and on Tumblr, mediamouthwash.tumblr.com. Maybe even on Pinterest. Yeah. At some point. I'm going to pin all my favourite pictures of you, Joe. Brilliant. So you've got that to look forward to. Um, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>